This week on the Notorious Scoundrels podcast. Of the, you know, of the bad options, Rebel Troopers were the best bad option. But now that we have clones and droves, <laughs> let's make it a new drop. Sorry, continue. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Notorious Scoundrels, a podcast focused on tactics and competitive play for Star Wars Legion. Hosted by Kyle Dornboss, Michael Barry, and David Zelenka, with Jay Shalansky, the man behind the glass. Hello and welcome back to the Notorious Scoundrels. I'm Kyle. I'm here with Mike and David, as usual, with Jay behind the glass. How you guys doing? Yo, I am putting together my clone troopers right now because my droids took forever. So. That sounds awesome. Just don't drop anything on Mike. Yeah. Did you, uh, how long did it take you? Did you finish the droids? Uh, I am working through my second core box right now. I have not put together any of my barks because they're bad. Uh, <laughs> but I put together everything else. <laughs> Are you a little scarred by your experience last week? <sighs> um, I mean, it like, it like certainly brought it to the forefront of my mind. Uh, I would say I'm scarred. I, I felt pretty confident they weren't great before that, but, um, you know, here we are. I didn't put my barks together. So what, what you're saying is he sent a message, right? He kind of, he kind of told you in a certain way, communicated you through the medium of Legion. That I mean, I'm going to have to put, I'm going to have to put one together, right? Yeah. Because you can't really run a clone army with seven activations and hope to win. But, um, yeah, I don't know. So that's what I'm doing. I'm great. Uh, my birthday is today, I guess, when you're hearing this cast. So, hey, happy birthday. Uh, hey. Yeah, I'm 30. So I'm old now. <laughs> you going to start getting some grades? Join the I club. do. I do. My, my mom and my sister came down for this weekend and... My mom was like, "Mike, you uh, you got some gray hair going on there." I was like, "Well, thanks for pointing that out. I feel so much better now." <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, in any case, um, yeah, that's what's going on with me. Well, hopefully, um, hopefully our Nats will not suck the next two games. I know this isn't a baseball podcast, but you know, it's depressing. I mean, yeah. Frankly, based on their current track record, uh, I don't have high hopes. <laughs> but but yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, rebellions are uh, are built on hope, right? So, That's right. Sometimes you just got to roll a hard six, right? Yeah. 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 You never know. All right. Let's get to it. Uh, all right. So, um, housekeeping. Uh, our Patreon is up on thefifthtrooper.com. Has been. And uh, if you like what you hear on this show and on The Fifth Trooper and the other stuff you see on that site, uh, feel free to support us on Patreon. TheFifthTrooper.com. You can also find some awesome mats there. Um, we have five different ones, and we've discussed them in detail in the past, but feel free to go check those out too. Yeah, um, it's worth noting that uh, I think the YouTube videos from this weekend are up on the um, our YouTube page, but Jay... And Evan went to Kappa Cup this weekend, and I believe they streamed some games. So, you know, check that out. I think it's probably like somewhere between six and eight hours, if I had to guess. I haven't actually had time to watch it yet, so because um, it was my birthday weekend. Um, but uh, yeah, so. Check are you going to talk about or Jay? Are you going to talk about Kappa Cup on Fest Trooper 
tomorrow. All right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to listen to, to that episode too and their experience there. So if you, if you guys uh, want to head over to the flagship podcast when it comes out, uh, I guess two days from this recording, um, check them out. Highly recommend. Yep. Yep. Um, all right. So we will, let's hit some news real quick. Welcome to In the News. All right. So two bits here. The first is, uh, at least according to Mr. Matt Holland, the illustrious Matt Holland on Facebook, Dooku and Rex are going to be out uh, on November 15th. Yo, so where was this post? I saw people talking about it in Discord. I was looking for it today. I couldn't find it anywhere. What, uh, where did this happen? It's buried somewhere on the main Facebook. Um, I responded also and asked if he uh, uh, could tell us anything about the operatives, um, but he has not responded to me. But um, Maybe I don't have to put my bark together. I can just play Rex. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I mean, that's what, two weeks, three weeks away? Yep. Um, Roughly, yeah. Problem solved. Yeah, and I, I assume this is a general release, not like a you know Spanish or Chilean or Italian release. So, um, yeah, we'll get some actual in English in the United States, Rex and Dooku uh, to play with, according to the Facebooks. Um, so we'll see. Didn't that say like Q1 on it? Yeah, that's so. Yeah. It's really weird. Like, um, I mean, originally when they were previewed, previewed, can't talk today. Um, at Gen Con, um, yeah, they said Q1 2020. So obviously, um, <laughs> it's not there yet. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, getting things early is earlier than expected is always good. Um, so we'll see. I, uh, I'm wondering, like, you know, are they going to keep doing one and release a month, or are we just going to get dumped a bunch of stuff? Uh, I don't know. Or maybe everything's behind. Who knows? I think I think my wallet would appreciate it if they slowed down. It's a good problem to have. I got a lot of things to paint. Um, yeah, yeah, it is a good problem to have. Um, I'm, just, I'm just grateful that Rex and Duke are here before January. I mean, holy moly! Like, think like when I first heard about that at, at Gen Con, I was like, man, that is going to be a long wait. But I think especially for um, the clones, you know, having Rex is going to, you know soften a lot of issues they might have with their activation counts and i'm just eager to see what what happens with that and how people decide to run him will they run him solo will they run him next to obi like a some sort of leia you know what will they do yeah and it'll be interesting you know obviously um at least somebody posted some spanish command cards we don't speak spanish so we're not gonna try and translate um any of those but um hopefully we'll get some english previews here shortly too yeah, that we can that we can then talk about. So, um, all right. So, Australian Nationals also happened this last weekend. Indeed, it did. Uh, that was won by Triple Tauntauns. <laughs> surprise, <laughs> surprise, everybody! <laughs> and I think I think that was Beefcake from the Discord. Is that accurate? Uh, yes. I saw I saw a picture of a bunch of Aussie dudes floating around, and he was the one in the middle holding a trophy. So I think that's him. Yeah, yeah, he had that one there. As uh, like, oh, also made an appearance in that photo. Yeah, yeah. but I, I won't I won't elaborate any further. <laughs> yep. But yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Australian friends. Um, but congrats to Beefcake, man! Like, uh, yeah. I first saw him play. He was playing double bounty in in season three of Invader. 
that was when I first yep. learned learned of him, and since then, I mean, he's gone on to he's gone on to win this the, this event. Yeah, he was uh, he was in the I played him in the final in Invader, so he's yeah. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, nice to see him doing well with the Rebels. Um, there were apparently only two triple Tauntaun lists um, and a smattering of other stuff. Um, quite a lot of variety, actually. I heard about some X thirty fours and stuff too. So I don't yeah, know what Rebels looked like. There was a cheap land speeder build in the top four. Yeah, uh, Shannon Rios. Cheap, cheap land speeder. What do you? What do you? Uh, mean? Land speeder, and I think it was like land speeder pilot and rocket launcher for one twenty, which is like okay. what? <laughs> but at the same time, it's sort of like, eh, you know, this thing can do objectives. It's it's armored. Um, and in fact, I was I was talking with uh, Beefcake briefly, and he said, I really didn't expect this land speeder to survive like it did. Because things just couldn't get the the normal hits through, and he couldn't get the crits either. So if he got a bunch of normal hits, it was all soaked up by cover armor, and without criticals, you know, he just wasn't doing damage to it. He was saying yeah, like, if I have an ATST, I cut it in half. But if I have Z sixes, I'm kind of screwed if my crits don't show up. Yeah, he. Um, uh, I mean, those X thirty fours are pretty difficult to kill with things that aren't short troopers and ATSDs. So, yeah, here's the breakout of the. I've actually found the breakout of the top lists that were there. Top sixteen was nine rebels, seven imps. Top eight, most of the imps got knocked, and then top four, three rebel, one imperial. And then in the top uh, sixteen, there were two triple tons, two triple rotaries. Two triple snipers, two triple mortars. So, all of the the usual suspects showed up to this top sixteen. I think, at least from my perspective. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. So, can we? I mean, this is one event, but we've been talking about tauntauns and short troopers for a while now. Do we feel like the meta has sort of shaken out? Uh, it's starting to. I think it's starting to settle on on a couple of archetypes. It's settling on triple tauntauns and triple rotaries for for rebels sure. for sure. Um, I think the rotary got a huge boost with that points reduction, and especially got a boost because this unit called the tauntaun dropped, and crits don't care about dodges, and uh, vehicle engagement rules are different than trooper engagement rules, so it got a massive boost there in the mirror. Plus, uh, DLTs kind of started going away, and uh, instead of you know throwing a two dice weapon at an ATRT, now a shore has to throw a four dice weapon if it wants to, you know, have a non-random chance of damaging it. But even then, it's still random because it's critical and not impact, so it may not, you know, throw a, uh, you know, it may not throw a crit anyway. So there was some, yeah. definitely some positive changes there for the ATRT. Yeah, I've I've played uh, shores against RTs, and um, you know, even with surge crit or critical one fishing for crits doesn't feel great there. No, I yeah. definitely miss my my DLTs. I will say that the mortar is surprisingly good at damaging them, though. Yeah, and I mean that that's definitely like where you might want to look. And it sucks though having to shoot your suppressive weapon at an armored vehicle <laughs> like that does suck. But if you want to kill it, you know that's a way to do it. Yep. All right. Um, so let's dive right into our hot take section because we have a spicy one today. We're also going to, after that, talk about um, 
uh, just in Legion 101. This is going to be a little bit of a follow-on, but gun line play generally and how to do that mechanically. But let's hit our hot take first. Later is way higher than everything else. Like Tauntauns, Leia's two-pip polishes many a turd. It's not like you can just delete Luke and put in two Tauntauns and that's a net gain necessarily. You know it'll be the Salt City because I'll be there. They Dang still it, hit, Kyle. Like, I'm going to sell you on fire support <laughs> with mortars. So many aim tokens, we can't say it on the radio. Yeah, I think, I think... <laughs> Come at me, bro. That's a lot to unpack. Maybe we should just burn the whole suitcase instead. Das J. Yep. Uh, the same. <laughs> Nothing but the best best analysis right here, folks. Yeah. All right, so David, you got a, a good one for us today. You wanna you wanna introduce this this topic? All right, I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to break this to everyone gently because I have some evidence to, to support this standpoint. But I'll, I'll <laughs> say the hot take is the hot take is that rebel troopers are actually better without their heavy weapon which is a seriously hot take. Um, it goes against like all the common, the common knowledge that, you know, sort of has been accrued here. But um, I just want to like, I'm going to talk about this both in terms of the options that rebels have and um, the, I'm going to use the word imbalance here, but I don't want people to think I'm saying overpowered. I'm talking about imbalance in terms of we don't play with the same pieces. Okay, that's that's the context that I'm using this word imbalance. So imbalance has existed because we don't play with so, the same pieces. Sorry, do you want to call it asymmetry? Though? Yeah, we'll call it asymmetry. Um, but it's also like I I, I like the word imbalance too because um, uh, I read I read a lot of Jeremy Solman. He's a chess master, and um, sure, he uses that word imbalance specifically because it applies to chess that way, but I think I can use asymmetry. Um, so we have asymmetry in what our troopers can do. We have asymmetry in our, in our stat lines. Um, and now we have new factions that are coming in that, that really uh, throw those asymmetries into high relief. Um, so for a long time, Rebels with Z6 have been the go-to unit for competitive lists. And that's for... You know, one, because we only had two choices in core units. Um, one was the fleet trooper, which, you know, is bad. Yeah, well, <laughs> move on. I was <laughs> bad. Move on. Well, I mean, I'm going to, I'm just for multiple reasons. Okay. They, they're very offensively efficient. All right. But if you pay the extra points to ensure them against suppression, they start to lose out on that efficiency. Plus, they fall off when they get killed. Right. And then we had, you know, shores and veterans come out. Okay. And veterans, um, I think they were definitely on the losing end, right? Because defend is ultimately an opponent's choice effect. The Mark II doesn't have the range four that keeps it safe. It also doesn't have red defense dice. Um, and target is always useful. And um, that kind of leads me into discussing, you know, the wow factor that all troopers have. Like all the troopers have a wow factor, whatever that is. Um, for shores, it's target. For snows, it's steady. I mean, free attacks are always good. Storms have precise. You have fairly easy access to aim tokens between, you know, veers spotting you and just being able to stand and shoot with your range four guns. Um, and then, of course, target and coordinate. So, you know, all these wow factors that the Empire has are, are, are great. Like, they're almost always useful. I mean, Rebels have Nimble, which, you know, is fine. Uh, fleets have Ready, which is a joke. Um, 
Ready isn't a joke though on on a unit like Death Troopers, so the context is really important. Um, and then uh, what am I missing? Yeah, veterans have defend, which you know, again, opponent's choice dodges sometimes don't work. Um, but but again, like of you know of the bad options, Rebel Troopers were the best bad option. But now that we have clones and droids, <laughs> let's make it a new drop. Sorry, continue. <laughs> yeah. I I also you I'm gonna let you continue, but I'm gonna have to hard disagree. Okay, continue. okay. I, I I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna just soapbox forever here. I'm gonna keep going. No, you're okay. fine. You can soapbox. Okay. Go for it. That's what, so, that's what this is for. So so these these asymmetries existed, right? And you know, dodge again. I say dodge. You know, it's not always the best thing because it sometimes doesn't fire, and it only works if your opponent chooses to shoot the unit that's dodged. They might have other things they could shoot. I mean, this is kind of old ground if you've been listening to us for any length of time, but I think it was important to just get those all out there before we we enter the next chapter of this of this saga, which is that now we have clones and droids. And um, clones and droids, uh, they beat the hell out of the rebel uh, range, both in terms of stat lines and wow factors. So, I mean, let's start with clones, right? Clones are the obvious one because you have a straight up comparison between phase one clones with a Z6 and rebel troopers with a Z6. Right, and I mean, clones are premium, have a premium cost, but it's not absurd to think of running six of them, you know, in a, in their in the list. I mean, not just because it's the only troop they have right now, but just in general, right? And especially with like Rex coming into the picture, like clones are going to love having six phase ones because it's got their best like wow factor, which is the token sharing. I mean, I don't, that's not fair. Okay, that's not fair. Okay, okay. That's not and and that's not fair because clones don't have anything else. Uh, yeah, but like the only reason you're taking six phase ones is because what else am I gonna do? I literally have to. Yeah, but you you have token sharing though. Like it's not it's not a, a problem. You know what I mean? Rebels don't have anything I mean, else because they don't have anything else. <laughs> take, taking six rebel troopers for the first year and a half of this game was mostly because the other options were not good. Yeah. And, um, have the other options ever really been good? I think the answer yeah, is no. We had sniper strikes, strike. No, I mean, I mean, among, like let's limit the, let's limit the scope of the discussion to core units right now, because we're talking about investing points in cores. I, I understand what you're saying, but I don't think, I don't think that the conversation takes place in a vacuum. I think that the reason that rebel troopers like Z6 troopers are seeing like people are considering that they're less good is because Tauntauns and RTs and FDs are hyper efficient to the point where they're almost just better than taking a Z6. Right, and we're get, we're ultimately getting like. to that. Like that's the kind of what I'm coming around to. Um but again, like we're talking about what to invest your points in in a competitive build. And let's sure. say I invest in sixty-six rebel troopers. Mm-hmm. What the hell am I going to do against, you know, a shore gun line, or against? Uh, Maybe you shouldn't. Exactly my point. And so, but but I mean, again, like there's there's evidence for this apart from just like, you know, saying this is bad, right? We're trying to talk about why it's bad, and so I'm saying it's bad because the clones can can level at you the same firepower. They have red defense sometimes with surge on both ends because of OB. Um, they have fire support. 
So if you're dumb enough to walk into range three or two of them, they just wipe you out because you only have five health and white defense. And then droids are, you know, eating us on the other side here because they have eight wounds and they can survive the alpha strike and their points are more points efficient than we are for, you know, what one less or two less attack facings <laughs> like, but they have eight wounds and they also have this, you know, AI, they have this coordinate thing, which they can get all their orders out. They have perfect activation control. So right, you're not convincing me why I should be taking naked rebel troopers over Z6. The point, the <laughs> point. <laughs> okay. Well, the point is, is that why do you, why do you invest points in these, in these Z6 troopers that just get taken off the board or out or out, uh, outdone in all these other departments? So like, why did you, can, why did you can, throw those points there? Because you're every other army wanna, in, the, in the game is going to outdo you at the same job. I want to attack attack your sure. points because i'm hearing that rebel troopers are bad because of clones and droids and stores and i and I mean, every other trooper I, I think, in the game i, 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 I think if we if we if we want to have the rebel troopers versus shores conversation i think that's fair i think shore troopers at range four with critical like significantly make rebel troopers with z6s a lot worse I don't think that clones and droids have that same effect. I think that the clone droid matchups are actually much fairer than the shore trooper versus rebel trooper matchup. Yes, that I could agree with. Okay, but even even beyond that, this, right. is, this is not about. Uh, I mean, this is about like why why am I taking a naked rebel trooper over Z six? Uh, because you want to take three Tauntauns, Luke, and whatever Correct. other fun you want, stuff. You want to invest be, be, points and things that function better at their jobs. Okay. So, and I don't think that's a bad thing, just to be clear. I, I agree. I was I was waiting for us to get around to that, yeah, which is really right. the core of this argument, right? Because this yeah. isn't really about Rebel Troopers versus Shores or Rebel Troopers versus B1s or Rebel Troopers versus Clones. This is about Rebel Troopers versus Tauntauns or Rebel Troopers versus Luke. Right. Or Rebel Troopers versus Sniper Strike teams. But right? it's also versus these other units too, because again, you're talking about if I'm playing an uh, if I'm playing a particular style of army, why wouldn't I buy into and play armies that have the best resources to accomplish that objective? I mean, so let's let's take Australian nationals as sure. an example here. So I think I'm Correct me if I'm wrong, but clones and droids were legal for that event, right? I, I don't uh, know. I don't know. Actually, let's okay. see. When was it? This past weekend? Uh, I mean, Shores uh, definitely were. Yeah, I think they were. Okay. Yeah, so no we were. had... The, I, I'm actually, recalling actually, from memory. Yeah, I actually think that was a premiere, so I don't think clones and droids would have been legal. But okay, anyway, so, continue. So we had Shores. Yeah. We had Shores, which I think we can all... Um, appreciator probably enemy number one if we're discounting tauntauns right now. Um, and the top four was what three rebels, one empire, Correct. and uh, I mean, that says to me that at least on a macro level, the faction is not busted, right. it, that's like, not what not I'm alleging. And, and by broke. I know, I, I understand. But I mean, like, to some extent, saying that the fundamental core unit, and, and I, I guess I'm not saying you're saying this, but I do want to kind of distance ourselves from saying that um, 
rebels are like not working because I mean, frankly, saying that their most fundamental and efficient core unit since the game started for the last two years doesn't work anymore is very close to saying if we don't change the conversation that there is a problem with the faction. I don't don't think think there's a problem with the faction. I just think that in the competitive landscape as it stands, you're not going to be rewarded for taking a gun line more than taking triple tons and a hero would reward you. And snipers yeah. would reward. I mean, and rebels shouldn't win in a gunfight. Well, that, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, okay, that's another another. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, a design thing, right? That's not a. Well, yeah. Discussion of of the points and the landscape. You know. I actually I actually disagree with that because I want to introduce another caveat here, and I think this gets at the core point that we're making. But yeah. rebels don't and shouldn't win a gunfight with just. Rebel Trooper Z6s. Yeah, I mean, you got to take like two FD turrets and some snipers. Well, I don't know about two, but yeah, you still want to be taking snipers. We said this basically since the sniper nerf. Like, Rebel Rebel players should still be taking two to three snipers. They're still amazing. Um, You need them to extend your threat range. Uh, And like, if you want to throw an FD in there, I've used an FD in uh, four of my five Invader League games, and every single match, it's been freaking amazing. Yeah. There are, um, there are better things to take now. Well, yes. So there are definitely better things to take. The Rebels have strong options in all of the other slots, yeah. um, including the ones we alluded to. Um, and I think that I think that the core of this argument is if you're cutting Z6s, then you're making more room for those other things. Correct. Which, which I can see the argument for. However, I also think, I mean, the Z6 is still one of the most efficient units in the game at range three it's not as efficient as shores and it's not as efficient as b1s um right but you know i think at, at least for me personally now maybe this is just me being like a curmudgeon gunline rebel player um who's, i mean that is what yeah, you're I mean, I, 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 nostalgia for those days continue um but i think that i think that they are still you know they still turn a anemic offensive unit which is a naked rebel trooper unit into a very solid offensive unit and if if you've already got points for those other things uh rotaries tauntauns snipers luke whatever um you know and you can still take three to four z6s like i don't see a problem with that that's what i've been doing uh i've been running you know some combination of luke rotaries and fd snipers and z6s and i still end up with four to five z6s after i fit those other things in um and I think that's fine. Like the Z sixes, you know, they're they're not going to be able to go toe to toe with shores, and you don't send them toe to toe with shores because um, you lose, right? Just to be right. Clear. But what you can do is use them to, you know, once the shores are distracted with something else, or if you're doing good conservative gunline play, um, you know, you get the Z sixes in the mix once your other excellent assets that rebels have that are good, your rotaries, your tauntauns, Luke, whatever. Um, once they're providing something else for the shores to worry about, then you get in there with the Z6s and you start cleaning up. Because Z6s still do good damage for 62 points. They're still one of the most efficient units in the game. Um, Only if you get the hits. Like, they don't have any way to fix their dice. And that's, I think, their fundamental issue, is that you're basically praying that the variance comes in in your favor and, uh, you, get, and you maybe get some damage through. 
They've always been like that, though, right? They, I mean, they have, every... they have, but the the circumstances of the game shifted to where you don't have time to wait for efficient for variance to happen. And, I mean, I and, and you're like you're sort of you're sort of waiting by the you're sort of waiting by the phone, right? And that phone call may never come in. <laughs> you're waiting by the phone. You're waiting for like, oh, hello, oh, four crits, oh, <laughs> you know, oh, thank you, thank you for helping well, me win this game, <laughs> you know. It's it's interesting because I think that um, you know rebels have been relying on Z6s to do most of their damage for a large portion of the game, and I think the reason that we're seeing this shift is because is because of that to some extent. You know your rotaries, your tauntauns, like the damage is consistent, right? The damage right. is there, and it's going to it's going to be there and so i think we kind of have to shift how we look at z6 yes. to some extent you know they're they're more of a spike play as opposed to a this is my you know consistent unit you know um not that z6s were always consistent but they were certainly as a baseline one of the most consistent things the rebels could be doing and now that that has shifted I think that they take a different spot in the army, you know, they're, they're in there. They're like, okay, this damage would be nice, but it's not necessary. Whereas your tauntauns and your rotaries and your FDs are like, this is the damage output that I actually like, if, if it doesn't happen, I just lose the game. Right. Like if, you know, and I've always taken this approach with Z sixes is that you don't want to be putting them in a position where if you whiff a roll, you lose the game. Like, right. um, you know they are they are variance monsters from roll to roll, but over the course of a six turn game with you know four to six z sixes, you're going to make a lot of z six attacks, and they're going to be consistent over the course of the game. As long as you're not putting yourself in a position where like any individual roll of that z six is going to decide the game, you're going to be fine. And I think that's still true. I I disagree heavily, but please go on. <laughs> Okay, I mean, you're you're relying on your snipers, your tauntauns, your rotaries, your Luke, whatever, to to be your reliable pieces, and your Z6s are there to be scoring units and pick up boxes and do all of the things that they've always done. Um, yeah. You know, put pressure on your opponent when pressure is already on them from other things, and they don't have time to worry about your Z6s. Well, this is a great way to bridge the conversation back towards the the premise, which is naked versus Zs. And, and you, it was I thought it was really interesting that you said your Z6s are there to pick up boxes, because um, if you're just there to pick up boxes, you could do it with a forty point unit. Um, you could also repair evaporators with a forty point unit. And how often is it that you know your snipers would rather be doing shooting rather than doing evaporators whereas the z6s are on the front line you know so there's tension there between investing in investing in a gun that is then going to do spend its time doing objectives you see what i mean yeah i mean you're not spending all game doing objectives For sure. quote unquote objective scoring units are doing at least the things that require interacting the boxes and vaps they're doing those the first few turns and then the last few turns they're advancing shooting um, right. pushing whatever so, you know, the reason I say like they're doing the things that they've always done is you need somebody to do that. But like whenever, and this this has been true, you know, whenever I've taken a naked unit mm-hmm. or a unit that's not really good at anything except interacting with objectives, they spend like, you know, the first two turns doing that thing. And then I'm like, all right, now what the heck do I do with these guys? 
you know, throw throw four black dice at heavy cover and hope for a crit. Like, I mean, sometimes, yeah. Right, but my point is, like, <laughs> you were hoping for crits anyway with Z6s, <laughs> though. Because there's just four well, right, but you, you have more than twice as many dice. That's, well, yeah, you have 10 versus four, but, you know. Um, and, like, it's only, you know, the reason that, like, we're talking about efficiency, a Z6 is, you know, you're essentially, like, doubling the efficiency of, of the of the unit for only 22 points. Right. So, you know, you could argue that you could be, like, if you if you have those 22 points and you'd rather be spending them on snipers or tauntauns or whatever, then you should be doing that. And I think I generally agree with you. Yeah. Um, but I also think that, I also think that you can have those toys like rebel units, generally speaking are cheap enough that you can have those, those pretty toys and still take like four Z sixes. Right. At least in my experience. And, and don't get me wrong. A lot of this is, is having played that style with trips. When I say trips, I mean triple taunts. This is this, a lot of this arises out of, Having played the style of triple tauntons, I was like, okay, I got points for five Z6s. But then the five Z6s just end up getting smashed by the dedicated gunline armies. Even with the tauntons getting in there, you know, they still have time to smash your gunline. So it just seems seems a little bit of a waste to even invest in, in... uh, in a in a bad gun line, quote unquote bad, in the sense that it's worse than everyone else's, because I ran trips. It's so I'm I'm I don't think that rebel gun lines are worse than droid gun lines. Um, I think you can make the argument that it's probably. I think worse they straight up clones. are worse than droid gun lines. Uh, droids are droids do the same job okay. more efficiently. Hundred percent, and they're full. Um, they're fully in control the entire time. And they're immune to suppression, essentially. Know. Okay. All right. So let's say let's say sure. that they're worse than droids, but like not it's not by a ton. Like they can still win that yes. matchup. Um but but I do think that you like when you line up across the table from a Krennic double DT aggressive tactics, triple shore, triple mortar list, like you've got to accept that you're gonna have to play. Well, before that we game go too much further, also, it's not that they're even less defensive than rebel troopers because they have surges on defense occasionally for Métis. But let's go on. Sure, sure. Um, but but I think, you know, we're getting to the point in the game where um, there's a little bit more rock, paper, mm-hmm. scissors going on that we haven't had before, you know. Um, lists are starting to become a little bit more unique and a little bit more powerful. You know, we've got, we've got the triple tauntaun list, which is frankly, is pretty good against gun lines. Yes, um, no question there. You know, um, and and we, we've got the Krennic aggressive tactics, you know, death trooper, short trooper, you know, monstrosity that just buries you in dice at range four. Um, and I think that if you're, if you're taking quote unquote rebel gun line, um, you probably have to have a decent bid and, be taking limb viz in your deck you know or, or you um, need to be running triple snipers with possibly an fd right and and you have to out activate yep. them too i think I, like if you're not if you're not out activating them and you've are at a range disadvantage like you're in a yeah, world you're, of hurt. you're gonna be um, in pain because then you're the, you're the idiot moving and shooting yeah. into them rather than the other way around Exactly, and they're just sitting there aim shooting with their death troopers and, and yeah. short troopers, and um, that doesn't yeah. work out well for you either. So, I, I mean, I, I just I think that 
people have to adjust their thinking on this. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying that you're even still favored to win that matchup. And I think that's okay. You know, um, uh, you know, people matchups are not going to be nearly as 50, 50 as they were before where we we've left the, the ship has departed that building. No, I, mean, I think it's like you're saying, if you want if you want to play, if you want to play a rubble gun line, like a pure rubble gun line. Yeah, it, you you need to yeah. you need to accept that your matchup against Krennic Krennic DTs is eighty twenty in their favor. If you if you didn't bring Tauntauns, and that's okay, you're probably you, you've probably got higher percentage wins against other lists. Um, Actually, not everybody's gonna. Go ahead. I mean, so I don't know what you would consider a rubble gun line, but I've been running Jedi Luke with triple sniper and an FD, and I've I've sure. I've done just fine against short gun lines. Um, I bet you that's 100 no, percent because you know, of Luke and the FD cannon, though, and the snipers. Now, because well, now you have well, units that range them. <laughs> well, sure, totally. But like rebels have access to those units, right? And I would still consider that a gun line, even though it's got Luke and an FD and snipers in it. Um, like I don't think, I don't think that it's, the, the it's rebel, less of a gun line than Krennic triple that, shores, right? Well, sure, but I think that's fine, right? Like. I think it is too. I mean, I'm I'm just to be clear. I'm like tossing numbers, pulling them out of my you know behind here. Um, but I mean, I, I, I the general premise I'm trying to say is that it's okay that a list is not as good against some lists. right. We're, we're whether it be the rebel gun line or whatever. We're, we happen to be talking about rebel troopers yeah. right now, mm-hmm. so that's yep. why I'm bringing up the rebel yep. gun line. Um, yeah, and I, th- I think that's fine. We're entering rock, paper, scissors territory. Um, yeah. I also think, at least in my experience, having played all these things now, um, <laughs> I feel a lot more comfortable as Rebels against the Shoregun line than I do as CIS. Hmm. Yeah, totally. Uh, so, I mean, like, like range four Krennic gun line against droids is just like, just pick your battle. Yeah, that feels terrible. Table, because... Because because four shots are going through cover, like every every shot at range four, and you can't fire back at range four. You pretty much have to rely on your droidekas and grievous to carry the day, and well, that's they're... a tall order, especially when droidekas are not that good against range four gun lines. Because I mean, their shields are great, but once they're yeah, gone, they're 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 you have forty eight yep. wounds, and I have twenty five as a rebel. Yeah, and you're totally. safe wrong with proximate. Um, you have but, but you, defense. Yeah, but you also like have no access to range four or five shooting. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's fair. Um, and and I I really felt that pain playing CIS against the shotgun line. I'm like, man, where are my snipers? <laughs> yeah, where are my, yeah, where are my snipers? Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, I, I think it's important you know, the, the takeaway here is that we got to make sure that we're thinking about everything in the context of what's available to the faction. as a Right. Player. And I guess my argument um, is that there are better things to invest in these days than Z sixes. <laughs> I mean, that I think is maybe not undoubtedly true, but yeah, it's I think very like, I think that's, I think that's a, yeah, I think that's a defensible position. I also think you can still take those other toys and also take Z sixes, but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I, I think, as you know, 
six. I mean, you can you can take Leia six z six triple daunt on mm-hmm. right. That's that's a thing. I think you can still throw well, snipers. Yeah, actually, no, it's Leia five z six two sniper triple taunts, and then you have some room for jammers and uplink. Okay. Like that list is it's solid. That's what I've been playing. Really it's, good. It's very solid. Yeah, that's good. It's list. just yeah. uh, just a real pain in the butt when you get smashed by you know their guns despite the fact that your tauntauns are in there trying to eat them well i i do think that um that list is a little bit more of a yeah, it's, it's very one-dimensional um no, yeah like if the tauntauns die like you need to be yeah well they die without that. having done enough work right that's there's a that's, lot of there's, sorry, I, mean, that's what I, I can go in um, to a different realm here and talk about what empire has that screws tons but that's a different discussion for a different show probably <laughs> no certainly not, not yeah. we're talking about we're, right now we're already like 40 yeah, minutes no, into this one sorry. So we, let's turn, let's turn into a rant i understand um we're just gonna we should just release an episode every week that's notorious scoundrels <laughs> yeah two separate oh, podcasts i guess um, uh yeah, um, I mean, maybe this conversation changes with the DLT twenty A from the specialist pack. I guess we'll see. It definitely helps to make you know that they can shoot at range four. Um, I mean, it's not, yeah, it definitely not, helps not the clone yeah, yeah, for sure. for sure. if, if we're talking about gun yeah. <laughs> I said now. Now I'm just short troopers without surges and no fire support for twenty That's less true. points. <laughs> Uh, fire support a lot of the yeah, time is yeah, a trap. We, we, we that. Yeah. Um, I think it's more that you're missing target is oh, where you really Yeah, well, that's what I mean when I say wow factor. Nimble for yeah, wow factor. Yeah. Um, oh, gee whiz. <laughs> you know? But, uh, you know, I think it is important to, like, when we're talking about the DLT 20, and I, we're already, we should move on to gun lines. So I don't want this, we'll talk separately about the DLT 20, yeah. but it's one dice to T21, and there's 66 points instead yeah, of Yeah, that's pretty so. hot. Um, all right, uh, let's let's move on to since we've been talking about gun lines, uh, let's move on to Legion One Hundred and One. It's time for Legion One Hundred and One. Class is in session. Um, so I think that I think that we've actually talked about this before, but I think that it's a good time to talk about it again because there's more asymmetry than there was before, as we've just been talking about for forty minutes, um, and uh, also. Um, because it came up, I think, quite a bit in good focus in our game last week between me and Mike. Um, if you haven't caught that, first of all, um, please uh, go check it out. It's really more of a battle report than <laughs> Mike shaking his head. <laughs> it's really more of a battle report than a podcast. Um, so if you want to watch it on YouTube, that will be a fun it, it, place. Excuse to me, it. casted game is the correct. There you, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Casted game. You're right. Yes. Um, it is it is a good time. The four of us hang out, and Mike and I play um, a game, and uh, stuff happens. We do hear some singers. Um, yeah, well, one of those things that happens though is is at least in a clone CIS matchup that still plays out, um, sort of like a traditional like pure gunline matchup. So if you're looking for a good example of how to conduct that, please watch that game. But let's just talk generally like about some tips. And this is not necessarily specifically if you're just running a gun line list. This this holds these these things hold true with. Uh, um, oh, sorry. Yeah. So there was one. There was one. We're doing it wrong from our from our uh, our thing last week. Um, 
I would just like to clarify this. It's not a we're doing it wrong. It's a Kyle forgot his keywords. Yes, I'm sorry. Kyle, Kyle was doing, was doing it, wrong. it wrong. Just to just to be yeah, clear. have immune deflect. There was there was a time in that game when a Droidica took a deflect wound. Uh, that was wrong. So it did not it, matter. It was just totally to relevant. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I realized it late in the game and I'm like, eh, it's not worth bringing up. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, yeah. So Droidicas have a mean deflect. Um, are bad. Um, I, I knew that somewhere in my brain. It just was in back in, uh, in cold storage. He was just beating the crap out of me so solidly <laughs> that. Uh, yeah, I'm like, whatever. Wins on. Forgot the Droidicas. Yeah, it was fine. Who cares? It was kind of like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, um, but seriously, yeah, Droidicus have a mean deflect. Uh, my bad. Um, but anyway, let's talk about my gun gun lines and how to how to how to generally engage in shooting things and moving up and positioning in Legion. Um, so you look like you're about to say something there, Mike. Yeah, so I think the the opening uh, part of this conversation, at least in my mind, is that you have to take into account the action activation count differential is probably the biggest (laughs) like game plan decider of playing a gun line. Right. Um, Cause the the biggest, the biggest thing that you need to focus on when playing a gun line is dealing the damage and not taking it. Yep. Um, Attrition as it's, as we often say. Yeah. So um, if you are, I think your game plan changes significantly when you're running a gun line if you're down on activations if you're tied on activations or if you're up on activations and can you go into how uh and why that is yeah yeah so um when you're down on activations you you kind of have to either rely on a character like luke or obi-wan to make a play so that you're no so let me back this up and explain why that, that's important. Um, so fundamentally, the most decisive part of a, a gun line fight is the first few shots and who can shoot who and, and like when in the turn that happens. So generally speaking, um, the person who flinches first, kind of takes the worst end of the engagement. If I move and shoot that unit, it like that, if that unit moves up into range and shoots another unit, generally, if your opponent has positioned, well, the unit that fired the first shot is not going to survive the turn. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Uh, So, yeah. And, and so what the, the decision point here is that if you're down on activations, um, your opponent is going to be able to make that first shot at the end of a given turn without repercussion generally. So which puts you in, 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 into two positions, one of two positions. The first is you have to gamble and toss one of your units out kind of early and take some shots. Um, I think you can see kind of like, what that looks like in in the game that Kyle was referring to that we we showed on on stream last week um because you know the clones kind of were in that position 
a little bit. Um, you were also sort of in that position. I think we were tied on activations at the beginning yep. of that game. Um, uh, no, I think I was you can kind of see so, yeah, was... that. Yeah. Um, but you can kind of see how the opening volley of a gun line goes. You know, Kyle kind of has a, has a droid unit that sticks his head out there, takes a shot at one of my clone units, does pretty minimal damage, and then just gets wrecked. Um, and uh, so uh, essentially what I'm saying is that activation count really matters. And if you stick your head out too early and lose an activation, you're going to be in a really bad place. So you need to decide when to engage. And generally that'll be towards the end of a turn because the repercussions for engaging poorly are less towards the end of a turn. Once, once you're engaged, you're in stuck in things kind of get crazy. Um, and a lot of that kind of flies out the window, but the other way that you can deal with that if you're down on activations is you can stick, you know, make it make a high um, high impact play with a Luke or a Vader or a um, Kenobi. Somebody who can kind of jump out there at the end of a turn, soak a shot with a dodge token, and then immediately jump in and, you know, take an, take an activation off the board so that your opponent is a concentrating on the the dude with the lightsaber and B allowing you some space to work with move up and initiate the gunline fight in a time and place of your choosing. Yeah. And I think the reason that um, our game is such a good example of this, I think is because like both of us at one point make what is essentially like a gunline play mistake. Um, yep. I think on the first turn, I I threw a B one out there to detonate a mine, and I just basically like failed to measure properly. Um, and I put yeah. him. I think you had two activations left still. Um, I put him within move shoot range of two of your two of your Z six units. Um, and like the the core principle that you just touched on is at the beginning of the game, you want to not give your opponent free shots. And by free shots, that is generally speaking a shot in which like your opponent can can make a fr- an attack on one of your units and not be in a position to take a meaningful attack in return on that turn. Um, and that's exactly what happened in the first turn in our game. But then it kind of flipped in the second turn because I think you um, I think you had a suppressed clone unit, um, and then you chose to just make an attack, and they weren't able to move back. So then you still had that clone unit kind of hanging out there you know, for the rest of the turn. Yeah. Um, and then I moved up and shot it with several B1 units. And, um, you know, we're talking about activation count. Um, activation timing is really important here to this conversation too. Um, you know, we talk sometimes about like uh, proactive and reactive activations. And then there's also timing neutral activations. And you essentially want to progress your turn. Like when you're in this gun line stage from, um, like proactive to reactive activations. So like at the beginning of your turn, you want to kind of identify which units are going to do things that your opponent is not going to have any effect on and vice versa. So units that are like basically out of range of anything meaningful, or, you know, maybe they're on like a backfield objective and they're going to be able to move and interact with that objective without any counterplay from your opponent or getting shot. You want to activate those units first. Um, and then you kind of want to transition to your timing neutral units, which are often units that are basically in the same category, but ones that, you know, are not going to expose themselves to do whatever you want to do with them. And then eventually 
you want to transition near the end of the turn to your reactive units, which are ones that will potentially expose themselves to enemy fire if they do the thing that you want them to do. Um, and that's why activation count is so important because as you noted, you know, if you're down on count and you, you do one of those reactive things and then you've got a unit hanging out there and your opponent's taking free shots, like that, that tends to snowball, right? Like attrition has a snowball effect because once you lose, sorry, go ahead. Uh, you know, once you lose an activation, like you're then less able to do that sort of last first, um, free shot situation because ideally, you know, you, you throw that unit out last, you take a free shot at your opponent and then the, the, the start of the next turn, you take that free shot and then you back them right up, you know? Right. It's, it's worth noting that the kind of progression that you just talked about with kind of less impactful units, uh, or like objective units going first, as soon as you've engaged that dichotomy changes yep. immediately you all of a sudden want those objective grabbing units to go last because they're not important and your units that are like engaged need to be doing things before they yep. get wrecked. Um, also, it's important to shoot unactivated uh, squads so and you have the opportunity I, I, as well is to, you know, get that tempo shift rolling in your direction. Yeah. If, if, sure. you, if you can um, do so without... Right, well, I was specifically units. talking about, you know, when we're actually yep. in the... When the scrum is there, like the turn after the engagement. Then like, you start looking for well, ways to so, suppress your opponents and activated units as long as it's you know moderately safe to do so. Yeah, and even once you're sort of in the scrum, so to speak, depending on positioning, like you might be in a situation where you're still exposing a unit by moving oh, yeah. up and shooting. Yeah. Um, like it's uh, so it's important to understand too when that's the case. Like when you should just either stand your ground and shoot a unit you're already in range of, even if that unit has activated already, or shoot it and then move away with a specific unit, which I do a ton with Rebels in particular. Um, that's part of why I think the dodge action is not great, just because um, I don't think dodge tokens are terrible. I think the dodge action is bad simply because whenever I find myself in a position where I'm like, you know, I want to shoot and take the dodge action, it's almost always better to just shoot and then move out of danger yeah turns out not getting shot at is way better than having a dodge token yeah i mean right. you, you, uh, <laughs> you save all the what's the phrase the best defense dice are the ones you don't roll yeah right you know so this is this is again you know why i mean dodge you you'd use dodge if you couldn't move away like say i have to be here because i have to score intercept or whatever right but but like you but say you, know, you, don't, you don't look to dodge first you look to move out of danger first exactly yep and then you can just, you know, the next turn, if you want to shoot again with that unit, then you move back in and shoot hopefully near the end of the turn. This is also why we say always be measuring because measuring yep. lets you determine whether these things are possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, measuring is super important here. This is why also, you know, we talk about like exactly range three or exactly range whatever. Yep. That's another reason this is so important is especially if you have a range advantage, you know, like if, you, if you've got a range four gun and you're shooting something that only has range three guns. If you, if you go to exactly range three, I'm sorry, exactly range four and shoot them, it's impossible even if they clear their suppression for them to move up and return fire because the speed to move, you know, which is what most trooper units have, is slightly shorter than range one. Um, so if they if they don't clear their suppression, it's going to take two turns for them to get into range to shoot you in that situation, assuming they're not constantly getting shot, which is <laughs> probably what's happening. Right, well... So, this is also why we talk about, especially for rebels, sniping snipers and uh, being so important in this type of play is because you know you can, like they can engage your opponent before um, 
they can fire back at you in most cases, unless they are also talking about other snipers, right? Like, you know, snipers can outrange a T21B. They can do the thing to the T21B that your the, the T21B can do to your rebel troopers. Um, and I have noticed too that Empire players are kind of dropping snipers for you know mortars and shores and other spicy things, which yep. in this particular setup I think is kind of a mistake because. Snipers are still really good. <laughs> yeah, it's still really good. High velocity works against dodges. Yeah, well, and, and, and Pierce, Pierce works against, uh, you know, yeah. uh, aggressive tactics saves. Ask, so. ask any Tauntaun player how it feels when a sniper hip fires you and puts two wounds on your Tauntaun through your dodges. Like, yeah, that's probably, probably not good, right? Yeah, it's yeah. so terrible. It's half a Tauntaun gone because you weren't going to save against that sniper rifle anyway. Let's be real. <laughs> well and it's also a way you know we talk a lot about so let's delve quickly real quick into slight tangent into counter tauntaun play with snipers because you know that would would be useful Uh, like tauntauns are difficult to hide um and they also generally want to go to last so like if you have two to three snipers you can punish a tauntaun player for holding their tauntauns by just shooting them with snipers yeah like (laughs) yeah the, the thing um, that makes them good is totally negated by high velocity. Right. Um, so, like, if someone's holding their tauntauns back, if you can get snipers on those tauntauns, start taking shots. You're going to build up suppression, and you're going to put them in a position where they're like, well, I guess I have to move this thing to get it out of line of fire of the snipers. Um, then they end up moving closer to your unactivated units if your snipers go first. Right, exactly. Which is a win-win for you. You basically yeah. flush them out. And then yep. they get uh, then they get eaten if they have nowhere to, to go that's safe. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. anyway, that was a tangent. But. Yeah, just a, just a little little pro tip there for everybody who's having trouble dealing with these things. All right. So that was a. Do you guys have anything else to say on gun lines? I know that was super quick. Um, I, you know, I I just want to reinforce. You know, you a lot of the time you need to recognize if you're winning or losing the attrition war. Um. Mm-hmm. Because that really informs the decisions that you need to make. If you're winning the attrition roar, keep playing the gun line fight and, you know, make sure that you're, you know, balancing, pulling guys back out of range and things like that. But if you're, if you're losing the fight, you need to start taking gambles. Um, yep. And uh, like, like you just you're like, because you, if you're, you're not going to win the attrition war, you're going to have to, stick somebody out there and hope that you roll well um, or they roll poorly, you know? Um, and I yep. think that, that people need to reckon. A lot of people are like, I don't know why I lost that game, you know, and well, you got buried in range four dice because you never took a risk, right? Like sometimes you just got to buck up and, you know, at the end of the turn, you know, double move something in so that you can be the first one to engage on the next turn you might have to soak a shot and it might decide the game, but it's probably a better out than just sitting there and trying to fight, fight, you know, a uh, rebel trooper gun line against death troopers, you know, um, or whatever. So um, just something to bear in mind. That's not something that's super teachable. Um, you kind of have to go with your gut and sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. Um, my, my inner rebel is laughing at you dash because you're playing empire and it's sort of like you don't need to hope about rolling well you can fix your dice i can't 
<laughs> well, I mean, you know, um, I think in this context, you mean defensive dice. I generally oh, speaking, yeah. Okay, I do. yeah. Um, okay, yes. And and That's don't good. get me wrong, we have a little bit of an advantage there, um, but you know, uh, defensive dice are great, but they still fold to you know getting having to roll twenty saves. You know, um, yeah, of course. So I, I just I think it's important that people recognize that you know units like Luke and and Operative Vader and stuff. Those are the units that sometimes you have to take a gamble with in these fights to make it work. Um, and you should you should not be afraid of taking those risks uh, if you're losing the game. Well, and those are great examples, too, of units that, like, even if they take a couple of wounds on the way in, once they're in there, like, your opponent's going to have problems. Right. <laughs> yeah, actually, you don't have a counter, a counter melee unit, so... Yeah, and then, like Operative Vader is fantastic against gunline lists. You get him in there, you like master of evil, you like choke out a heavy, you you know, kill another squad that that heavy's not a part of. Everything's suppressed and they're down two heavies from the get-go. Good old implacable master of the force double choke. Right, like and he can do that twice if you want, you know. Um yeah. there there are there are ways to combat gunline lists and uh Yeah, just get get in their faces and deny them the ability to shoot. But the, the question is, will you survive getting in their faces? Yeah, well, and that's that's where the gamble is, right? Like, yeah, you know, um, fear and dead men is really good at making that gamble a lot less of a gamble. So is darkness yeah. descends. <laughs> all yeah, the yeah, like all, all of these units we're talking about these these aggressive close range units have tools to close that distance safely, right? Yeah, like you talked about two of them. Luke has my ally is the force and full of surprises. Um, he's got tools to turn their opponent's gun line against them and serve your master well. So, yeah, um, Luke's really good at this, frankly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a uh, um, you know if you're if you're in an asymmetrical situation like that, don't uh, you know rebellions are built on hope. So. Yeah, don't don't balk because you'll you'll lose if you balk. <laughs> yep. Um, all right, you guys got anything else on this topic? Just just keep measuring. Always measure. Always take always. Down the range of a move shoot. Always be measuring. Number one. Yeah. And also, before you make a decision, uh, look at the board and try to figure out who hasn't, who has gone and who hasn't, and then measure from the people who haven't. Well, but, and the other thing, too, I'll say here just real quick is like, you know, be patient. Like, you got time. Or in theory, you have time. This is a little bit of a different story, I guess, if you're in a tournament with short round times. But like most objectives center around scoring at the end of the game. And it's a six turn game. Like I see a lot of newer players just kind of rush in to try and engage their opponent as quickly as possible. Um, when in fact, especially if you got a range advantage, you shouldn't just be waiting them out. Like take some pot shots, you know, take some dodge standbys. Like it's not the end of the world to just kind of burn a turn to avoid exposing a unit unnecessarily. This is also why high activation lists that could play restively were so dominant for so long and, and kind of still are. Let's be frank. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I'm thinking about Bishy Shores. Yeah. Activation is still good. Hot take. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. Activation when coupled by extremely competent, highly fixable range four shooting. <laughs> you know. So. Yeah. The salt in <laughs> San Francisco right now is uh, uh, high. Yeah. You're talking about Rebel Sniper Strike teams, right? 
<laughs> Maybe. Are you are you casting from the beach? No, I'm not. Okay. My state's uh, on fire, man. That's why these takes are so hot. Speaking uh, of FD cannons, I just want to give a shout out to the the FD cannon, which I've used in four of my five <laughs> games so far from around Robin. And uh, I heart you, FD cannon. I love you, FD. <laughs> Uh, yep, it's awesome. Range five, it really makes a difference on that thing. Let me tell you. I'd like to thank my mom and this FD cannon for running yep. the tournament. <laughs> exactly, or something like that. Uh, yep. All right. Um, all right. So dealer's choice. We got a few minutes left here. You guys want to talk droidicas or airbrushing? <laughs> all right. I have no opinion either. All right. Well, uh, I'm going to make an executive decision then, because since we only have a few minutes, I think droidicas are worth more time than we have right now. So let's talk about airbrush. Get out your brush and paint. It's hobby time. All right. So um, a lot of people have been randomly asking about airbrushing recently, probably because of droids. <laughs> um so for those that don't know what it is, it's uh, we've I've talked about it you know previously somewhat in um, in passing, but like you know an airbrush is a tool uh, that um, sprays air through it, and you put paint in a little some kind of container, and it essentially like sprays the paint onto the model. It's not like a spray can, um, you know, an aerosol can has other stuff in it, um, and is like has self-contained propellant. An airbrush is just literally like air pushed through it, you know, a receptacle, um, and then it pushes paint onto your model. So it is, um, as far as like quality is concerned, it's far more consistent and uh, even and controllable than like an aerosol can. You know, you can't really paint with a can, right? Like you can prime with a can, but you can't really paint with a can. Uh, you can actually paint with an airbrush. So um, it's a great tool for when you have to do something sort of en masse like droids, which is what I plan on doing for mine. I also did my stormtroopers and my um, several, a lot of my rebels now with an airbrush. Um, it's one of those things that you get like super intimidating, but you get progressively better at. I um, uh, initially just prime stuff with it. Um, and, uh, eventually progress to like doing actual painting with it. But that probably took about a year and a half from when I started using it. So, um, you know, it definitely takes practice, but like if, so if you're thinking about getting into it or trying it out, um, several points of advice first is like, don't be intimidated. Um, it's like anything else. It's a learned skill. And once you figure it out, it's like, I can't, I can't go back to painting with, with the brush, like a regular brush, it just feels so like time consuming and old fashioned. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. You still got to do some of that. Like you can't paint someone's eyeballs with an airbrush. Um, but, uh, like the main, the main sweeps of everything and things like droids that are all one color, essentially you can do like an airbrush can do all the things that contrast paints can do basically. Um, so, um, yeah, that's the first is don't be intimidated. It's worth the effort. It feels like cheating. Um, the second is... Uh, is Kyle uh, likes to cheat, by the way. <laughs> he forgets that okay. his stuff is immune to defense. Yeah, man. <laughs> like, gosh. 
yeah. Um, Go wash this guy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> where do I get this? Like, he's just salty. Uh, anyway, um, he lost you on camera. Keep going. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So watch some YouTube videos. Uh, there's a ton of them out there. You know, don't just like try it without reading some stuff and watching videos first. Um, cause airbrushes are expensive and you can mess them up <laughs> if you don't use them right. Particularly like letting primer dry on your airbrush. Don't do that. Um, I know that from experience. Um, so clean it religiously, it right? Like, yeah. Yes. And clean it, clean it properly. Every airbrush cleans differently. They have like specific instructions. Um, the one that, uh, I would personally recommend is, is, and they're not like paying me or anything. Um, I don't even actually have this airbrush, but, um, the Badger Patriot 105, um, it's uh, really easy to clean. It's relatively inexpensive and it's good. So, um, if you're thinking about getting into airbrushing research, that one, I personally have an Aztec, which is also very good, but slightly more finicky. It's kind of like if the uh, Badger Patriot 105 is the AK-47, the Aztec is like an M16. Um, so, um, Those are some very interesting sure and topical uh, comparisons. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, Would you say so that yeah, one's like a Z6 and the other one's like a DLT? Sure. Yeah, let's go with that. Okay. Um yeah, uh, it's it's just it's harder to clean. It's harder to maintain. It's still amazing, um, but yeah, um, yeah. And then just do your research on equipment. Um, you're gonna definitely want uh, like an actual airbrush compressor. I know that people have tried to do this with like tool compressors, but the primary difference between like a tool compressor and an airbrush compressor is that an airbrush compressor has a regulator on it, which means that it regulates the flow of air so that it's constant. Um, with the tool compressor, it's like, you'll get like, you can't see what I'm doing on camera, but I'm flicking, I'm flicking at the camera. Um, you'll get like spurts of air in, uh, random intervals that will be very bad for your painting. So, um, and if you live in a humid area, which I do, you also want one with a moisture trap, which is another thing that normally comes on airbrush compressors. So, um, that's my super. You want to talk about managing overspray? Yeah, so um, so when you spray with an airbrush, you will get overspray, which basically means that like, you know, like picture a spray can. If you're spraying a model, not all of that paint is going to get on the model. Some of it's going to go past the model, right? Um, so I use a, I just spray it in my garage and I use a fan to push it out the garage, but you don't actually like need to do that because at least if you're using acrylic paint, which you probably are if you're painting miniatures, um, it's acrylic paint is non-toxic there's no like health risk if you want to do airbrushing inside um you know you just got to be prepared for that overspray to go somewhere like don't do it you know in your bedroom if you don't want your wall to get painted <laughs> but I think some people build like these they build a um, uh, uh, like traps made out of like foam for like the extra extra paint or yep or even cardboard like have a theater sort of to do their painting indoors in yep yeah, you don't need like a fan, you know, it helps direct it if you want to do that. But if you just build some kind of, you know, like three sided cardboard situation, that's just as good. You know, you're not going to like choke on the acrylic airbrush fumes. They're, they're non-toxic. So 
yeah uh, unlike an which, aerosol can which you definitely yeah. should not spray inside yeah don't don't do that <laughs> um so yeah um please don't sue me if you <laughs> choke on airbrush fumes <laughs> um yeah, I don't know this guy. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd recommend managing it somehow, but it's not the end of the world. If you like, if you want an airbrush in an apartment, you can figure out how to do that. That's yeah. that's the thing that you can do. So, all right. Um, oh, and one more thing. Normally, what I do in terms of like practical terms is I do xenothal airbrushing, which basically means that, like, for my droids, for example, you know, you, I prime them black. I did this for the storms too. I primed them black, and then you just hit hit. Uh, hit the model with ever um, lighter shades from ever steeper angles. So, you know, if you do black on the whole thing, then you hit like a dark, my droids, I'm doing red, you hit like a dark red, you know, like a 60 degree angle, and then you hit like a lighter red at like a 45 degree angle, and then you hit like an orange from straight up top, basically. That's kind of the essence of like at least the Zenith. It gives the impression of a light source. Right. Um, and I did the same thing actually with my pathfinders and some of my rebel troopers and I did it with like a cloth color. Um, and it actually turned out much better than I, than I thought it would. It works best on units that have, um, like droids that have a lot of smooth edges, um, and stuff like that, but you can also use it for more complex things like cloth. And if you do it right, it still looks good. So, all right. Um, that was a little bit of a rant, if you will, on airbrush, but, uh, you guys got any, I just think people will be pleasantly surprised when they when they try it. I think they should. I think I think it's a worthwhile investment, especially if you're going into the hobby for the long term. Um, you can save yourself, save yourself and your eyes a lot of aggravation um, by airbrushing. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 faster and better than contrast paints. If you guys can believe that. No, Not no, that contrast no. paints are bad, but. It's like it's it's like people are like, oh, contrast paints are so cheating. It's like one step beyond that. Again, with the cheating, dude. <laughs> I mean, I don't the blame you when you have to painting. paint forty-eight droids. Like, by all means, man, if you can get those suckers on the table yeah. faster, like, just do it. Yep. Yeah, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna base them with play sand and not even paint the bases because. I can't do like painted bases for fifty droids. You can't just you I can't just airbrush the bases myself. brown and then like put some sand on them. You can actually. Um, the the struggle with me and maybe this is just one extra degree of laziness. I like to just have them glued on the bases when I paint them. Um, which is you know if you want to then paint the bases, you can't do uh, that if the model's glued to it and you don't want them I, to be the same I, color. Well, yeah, if you're. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's ways, there's workarounds. So, like, you, yeah. can, you can do texture paint. There's ways. Cool. Yeah, you can, yeah, you can also make a brush. Like, for real. Like, the rest of us. <laughs> yeah. Like, the rest of us Canadians who use brushes um, still. You can also use, so this is an airbrushing technique. You can do mm-hmm. what's called masking. You know, because the, the, the golden rule with an airbrush is the airbrush can only paint what it can see. Um, so you can use like a mask, like a piece of cardboard or something, and you can actually paint bases that way. Um, if you do that, you'll get a little bit of color on the feet of the model too, but sometimes that's okay if you're doing like mud or sand or something. Anyway, um, yeah, that was probably uh, 10 minutes too long on airbrushing. But. Should have talked about droid echoes. God. <laughs>
<laughs> well, next week we'll talk about Droid Echoes. I know we were supposed to talk about it like four episodes ago, but, you know. Yeah, we'll cover them. Um, yeah. Stay tuned. Yeah. Um, good luck to everybody. Invader League Single Elim starts this week. Good luck to everybody in that. Um, There's going to be some sort of pre-show. We don't know what it looks uh, like yet, but it's going to happen. I promise. You'll, you'll, you'll know about it. Just uh, keep your eyes peeled to the Discord if you're on the Discord. On the Discord. Yeah. So, and even if, even if, even if you're not playing an Invader League, they will be doing a March Madness style bracket um, prediction with a pretty good prize. I don't know if we know what it is yet, but um, uh, so um, yeah, go ahead and check that out and fill out a bracket. Um, I feel like I have a better chance of winning a bracket uh, for Legion than I do college basketball, at least. So, any final thoughts, gentlemen, before we sign off here? I have I wish no you could final see what hand Jay's making right now. They are they're incredible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is a uh, yeah. Um all right. Well, I also have no final thoughts. So for notorious scoundrels, my name is David. I'm Kyle. And I'm Mike. We'll see you next time. Stay fresh, Join us next week for another episode of The Notorious Scoundrels. This has been a Fifth Trooper production. 